You're about to hear a podcast recorded before our rebrand, so you might hear us mention our previous brand name, We Are Radical, or our original podcast name, The Radicalist. We're still the same show with the same hosts on the same mission. And if you'd like to find out how we got here, you'll find our journey on the stories page of obuinvest.com. Hello and welcome to the Radicalist podcast, where we have frank conversations with fierce women founders. This is a podcast about not settling, full of honest conversations with women who have wanted to build their own businesses and did. If you're making the tough but incredible decision to start up, sustain or scale your own business, we've got you. Because we're a podcast by, for and about women who do exactly that. Women looking that leap in the eye, women taking their first steps as founders, women with stories about the journeys they've been on, the hacks that have helped and everything they've seen along the way. Women like us and women like you. We're Sarah King and Claire Dunn and we're the founders of We Are Radical and this is The Radicalist Podcast. In this episode, we talk to Claire Ramsey, one of the co-founders of Rockfall Rum, a spiced rum that is so good and we can attest to that that it can be drunk without the need for a mixer. We love Claire because she's such an open and honest founder. She doesn't shy away from the challenges, but faces them head on. In this conversation, she talks to us about the challenges of bringing a new alcohol brand to market, why timing is key for starting your business, and how striving perfection just slows you down. Sometimes it's just better to get on with it. Claire, can you take us back to when you first had the idea for Rockfall? What was it that kind of sparked, you know what, I'd like to start a spice rum brand? So I guess it had always been in my mind that I would like to start my own business. Well, when I say always, not always, but I took a career break to raise my children, my three girls, back in 2010. I've worked in various jobs. I've done so many different things. I've worked in publishing. I've worked on a regional newspaper for a bit. I've worked in sales, a charity. I've worked in a school. I started my teacher training. (laughs) And there's loads of other things I've done as well. And I'd always been a bit of a career hopper, a job jumper. I don't know if that's an expression, but... It is now. We love it. That's great. Um, And that's what I'd done throughout my 20s until I had children. And I think once I'd had children, I decided to be a stay-at-home mum. And it was almost a bit of a relief because it meant, oh, thank God, I haven't got to think about what job to do in the future. I can be a mum and that's okay. And I enjoy being a mum anyway and being a stay-at-home mum. But it gave me a bit of an excuse not to think about what I was doing career-wise as well. And also, I think during that time, I think part of being a stay-at-home mum is you're, you're your own boss, aren't you? You are yeah, you're, right. you're sort of calling the shots, you're working out your time, the way you're spending it. And the idea of going back into a job, I couldn't quite work out how it would work for me. I couldn't imagine being managed again. Yeah. So... From there, I sort of decided that when my youngest started school that I would hope to start my own business, but I hadn't really decided what I was going to do. And I think what happened was Tris and I started talking about maybe starting a gin brand, and I think, but then we sort of quickly dismissed that because 
a lot of people were doing that and we didn't think we could have a point of difference. So we then started talking about all the spirits, really. But we had always really loved rum, loved rum cocktails. And bizarrely, the very next day, I happened to be reading something in the paper. I think it was the Times talking about rum being the next big thing. And I think it was sort of like a bit of a, that's really weird because we were talking about that yesterday. It was sort of a really Mm. weird moment and... I think it was almost like a bit of a oh eureka moment. We thought about that yesterday and then here it is. But it just sort of felt a bit like it was meant to be in a way. I don't know. Yeah, right. It's like a bit of serendipity yeah. came your way to say, actually, that idea yeah. of yours might have something yeah. something about yeah. it. Yeah, mm. it definitely felt like that. So that was the first spark. And almost immediately, I then started doing a bit of research online to work out how the hell do you do that? <laughs> because... Yeah, I had yeah. no idea. So. so Claire, I think there's a couple of really interesting things that you've said there. Firstly, I love the idea that as a stay-at-home mum, you're developing a skill set. And actually, it's a skill set that lends itself really well to becoming an entrepreneur because you are managing competing priorities. You are having to manage curveballs being lobbed at you at any given moment. You are having to manage the roller coaster of emotions of both yourself as a mum, but also of your kids. And I think there's so much of that that's true about being an entrepreneur as well. And often entrepreneurs aren't seen in that light, like it's almost, well, if you're a good entrepreneur, you've had X number of years in business, maybe you've done a MBA, you know, your risk profile looks a particular way. But actually what you're saying is that skill set that I learned by being a stay-at-home mum, actually it was almost that that fueled this sense of, I don't want to be managed by someone else. Actually, I want to create my own mm-hmm. thing. And I think that will really resonate for for mums who maybe are at home listening to this, juggling kids to kind of think, oh, hang on a moment, maybe this is something that could work for me. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I think I think that's the thing that a lot of people say, you know, there's a lot of people don't place any value on the things that you learn <laughs> as being a stay-at-home mm. mum. But you do learn how to manage your time, how to prioritise things and... It's definitely given me a drive to do something else. I think the other thing that was really interesting about that spark when you had that idea and then you saw something in the paper the following morning and then you started researching. In other conversations we've had in this series of the podcast, there's something really important about momentum and kind of having a spark of an idea and then getting started straight away whether that's through research, whether that's through tipping your thoughts out on paper, whether that's through going and talking to someone who could be one of your customers, just getting started is really important because otherwise the idea will dwindle and then potentially disappear. I completely agree. I mean, I actually started looking the very next day. I'd say that's quite unlike me. (laughs) Normally I procrastinate for a long time or just sort of think, oh, no, that's not going to happen. Back in, I think it was 2018, when we first came up with the idea, we found that there weren't actually many rums readily available. So if you went to the supermarket, there wasn't much choice. You could definitely find things online and you could find things at 
food festivals, fairs, etc. But actually going into a supermarket, there was very little choice. And actually, when we started drinking them, trying them to see um, how they tasted, we were really disappointed in how mm. all of them sort of tasted. They were just, you had to have a mixer with them to make them palatable, which we thought, oh, hang on, isn't the point of having a beautiful rum to taste the spices and, and actually taste it rather than to right. try and pour a shed load of coke in to get rid of the taste. Right. 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 So, yeah. And that's, I think, what's really interesting about your approach to developing a product. It is not being fueled just by there's a market opportunity and what's the next thing after gin because gin will have its time and because all things have their time and it will cycle back around to something else so it isn't just about keeping your eye on where's the next market opportunity let's see if we can play a role there it's also and the role we want to play in that space is one fueled by a really keen focus on quality so apart from spotting it as a revenue opportunity and a way to, in a squiggly career, which is I'm going to try entrepreneurship next because that fits with my lifestyle. I've got a great set of skills there. It's also driven by, but let's do this really well. Mm. It's like, let's bring something really beautiful to market. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we also wanted our branding to be really beautiful as well to match our product. Rum has a, a history of the sea, pirates, and a lot of the things that were available were very pirate orientated and it felt quite dated. It felt like quite a an outdated category. So we wanted our product to look modern and taste beautiful and look absolutely beautiful as well. We wanted it to be a premium quality product. Mm. And I hope that's what we've achieved. So Talk to us a bit more about that, Claire, because you, you know, you shared this idea of people not going into a bar and asking for a spice rum, but people going into a bar and asking for a rockfall. And, you know, your branding has that whole vibe to it of this is high quality, but this is a brand that I want to be associated with. It's really beautiful. So talk to us about that. Like when you, when you look to the future, what do you imagine for Rockfall? I guess I want a future where rum is a bigger category to start with, because naturally, then Rockfall will grow within that category. What I would love for Rockfall is to be part of that wave of rum becoming a category that people consider more. A lot of my friends, before I told them that I had launched a rum brand, or rather when they found out I'd launched a rum brand, they said, well, why, why haven't you launched a, a gin brand? I was like, well, everybody's launched a gin brand. And also we really like rum and we really like the product that we have created. And we feel that this can be a product that everybody can enjoy. People just need to open their minds a little bit more, I guess, to other drinks. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I see our brand... I want people to ask for a rockfall. I don't want people to ask for a rum. I want them to ask for a rockfall, a rockfall and ginger if they don't want it on the rocks. I want it to be ever present in people's minds um, when they go into a bar. 
and also I'd love us to be in, in bigger retail places as well. At the moment, we're in farm shops and smaller retailers, but I, I see a bigger future for Rockfall. It was really interesting. You said something there, which is a slight flip on phrasing that I'd love to explore with you a little bit more. So you started off by saying, when I told my friends that we had developed a runner, then you stopped and you switched and said, actually, when they found out that we had developed a rum. There's something really interesting when women grow businesses about how they perceive themselves in that world of entrepreneurship and the things that we might tell ourselves, and sometimes they're helpful and often they're not about why we might not belong in that space. So I'd love to just understand from you better, what was the like finding out bit? Was it like, ta-da, here's some rum I've just been developing for six months? Yeah. And, and, and what was it that stopped you or made you hesitant about talking to them about the whole process? Like, what was it that was in the way there? So I guess in terms of telling people... It was a bit of a drip feed. I think I told my sister-in-law first. We told a couple more of our friends, but nobody else. And then on the day we launched, I then sent like a few WhatsApps to my groups of friends so that everybody wasn't just, what? Yeah, right. <laughs> Which they still were. Um, but, you know, it was, it was almost, I was almost apologising with my messages as well. You know, like, I'm so sorry I haven't told you sooner. And and anyway, this is right. what I'm doing. And, and everyone was so supportive and amazing. But they were definitely shocked because I hadn't mentioned mm. it before. Obviously, it's completely come out of left field. And I think the reason I didn't tell them, it was almost an embarrassment. I don't know why. Why would I feel embarrassed? But worrying that it wasn't going to happen. I didn't want people to keep asking me about it until I had a physical product in front of me so that I could share something with them. It's that fear of failure as well. If for some reason it hadn't all worked, it hadn't come off, and I just didn't feel ready to share it with anyone until I had that product. Just because it was something so different to anything else I've ever done... I worried that people I knew wouldn't understand, I guess. Right. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because we hear that so often when we work with women like you and other women in the community, which is, I need a space which is separate to home or kids or relationship or family, where I can come along and talk about this stuff, because not everybody gets it. But in this space, I know you're going to get it. And so I don't equally then have to over-explain. Like I don't have to explain why I'm having a tough day, why I'm worried that this might not work, because I know that everybody else here has had those days as well. So Claire, can you just take us through that journey of, you have the idea, the next day you start researching that market And now here we are talking to you, you've got a beautiful brand, you're selling your product, you've been featured in GQ, The Telegraph, The Evening Standard, Tatler, and we know you've got audacious ambitions for your brand. But how did you go from, I'm sat at my kitchen table researching this, to, yeah, here's my brand and this is where it's being featured? So I guess 
Yes, the next day I was researching how do people start alcohol brands. <laughs> I think it became apparent pretty quickly that we weren't going to build our own distillery. We hadn't got the money for that, so that wasn't an option. So we knew that we would need to partner with a distillery. So we contacted a few and visited a few and found a really good fit for us. From there, we were sent some rum, some base rum, that we then spent time in our kitchen flavouring and trying to come up with the most beautiful, smooth flavour. We then had some samples made for us and chose our favourite sample from the ones that we'd had made. And then we had a bit of a break. You have to go and get a few licences when you're going to start an alcohol brand. You can't just rock up and say, oh, I'm selling this now. It doesn't just work like that. So I had to get a personal licence. And then after I got my personal licence, we had a bit of a pause. I had a few health issues, which meant that I wasn't able to focus on the business and I wasn't ready to do it. So... Tris still wanted to go ahead with Rockfall, not that it was called Rockfall then, but I wasn't in the right headspace at all. So then we have lockdown, which is homeschooling joys. Um, And we just started talking about it again and said, why aren't we doing this? You know, we were so passionate. We still have that passion We were seeing more people online launching products, more and more rum products. I was getting quite jealous when I was seeing people launching things as well. Yeah. (laughs) Really frustrated. And then we just recontacted the distillery and said, right, we're ready to go. And away we went. Yeah. So Tris had to design some branding for us, some labels for our bottles. He designed our website. He's a designer anyway. So that is his love. And I really pushed him to hurry up because I was getting really impatient. (laughs) So we we weren't ready to launch at all, but I was insistent. It had to be this particular day. And we launched before we were ready. The website wasn't perfect. Our friends were ordering from us straight away, as all good friends do, messaging me saying, oh, that's not working. Oh, that's not working. Okay. (laughs) Great. I was going to say. Yeah. So that was in November. Since then, we've been doing really well. Yeah. yeah. So what we'll often see is that women will delay their launch into market with that almost expectation that they put on themselves that everything has got to be lined up. It's all got to be perfect. And only Mm -hmm. then can I showcase my product or service to the world. And the reality is that however perfect you think you've got it, you're always going to go through a learning curve anyway. Mm -hmm. So you may as well do that sooner. And so you can learn quicker and get the insights quicker. And then you can adapt and evolve your product or service Mm -hmm in line with the expectations of the people that you're trying to serve rather than your own expectations of what that should look Mm. like. It's almost like get it 80% of the way there, then put it out into the world and let your customers help you solve and Mm. shape that remaining 20%. 
I love that you just went for that. And it's just like, nope, we're sticking a stake in the ground. This is what we're going for. Justin, you need to get your finger out, get the designs done, but they I was I was absolutely adamant. And I didn't even know how to post them out to people at this stage as well. I I didn't even know how to use the Royal Mail website to post them to people. I had absolutely no idea. So yeah, I think we must have launched on a Friday. And then we'd got lots of orders from friends and all Friday evening, I was just sort of in chaos with all these boxes around me, <laughs> rum around me, not knowing what the hell to do. Oh God, I've actually had to post them to people. I hadn't even worked that bit out yet. So yeah. But, but. And that, that's just, that really is, it's just brilliant. And these are the stories that we need to share about mm. entrepreneurship. I think there was something else in that part of your story there where you described actually you needed to hit pause for a while. One of our most popular frameworks that we use in our community is what we call the mix index tool. And it's this idea that we can't separate our business and life. We are humans and we play different roles in our lives. And that means we need to be able to dial up or dial back at certain times. So maybe at times we have more capacity to play the role of entrepreneur. Maybe at other times our role as mother or friend or daughter needs to dial up and we need to be able to dial back in our businesses. And I think that's exactly what you described. You know, you'd started in this process of creating Rockfall, but then you needed to hit pause. And so you needed to dial back on the business. And I think what's so beautiful about your business is it was still there waiting for you. It was waiting for you to come back to it and waiting for you to pick it back up and go, yeah, I'm ready now. Let's do this. exactly that. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And maybe it was because my youngest child hadn't started school yet as well. Maybe that was a part of it as well, not working out how it would all fit in. So why I then decided during the pandemic when I had my children at school, <laughs> when I was homeschooling them, that I, it could fit in then. But I think you do need to be ready. You need to be in the right mindset. And I think that that's what I was at that point over the summer of 2020 when I, I felt ready, but I hadn't felt it until that point. Yeah. So you have already had quite the entrepreneurial journey. Bringing a product to market, I think, is quite unusual in and of itself. Bringing a product to market that's in the alcohol industry, I think, is really unusual as well for a woman founder and so incredibly exciting. I think also the journey to date that you describe of starting, of getting so, so, so close and then hitting pause, of having to rebalance life and work and where your attention and where your energy goes to, It would be great to hear from you kind of what key lessons you think you've learned so far on the entrepreneurial path. I've learned that things are going to go wrong (laughs) and that that's okay. You learn from those things that go wrong. Things aren't always perfect. They're probably never going to be perfect either because that's not life, is it? So I think I've learned to be more more resilient to things going wrong. I've also learned that things don't happen as quickly as you think they're going to. I think you assume that you launch a product and everybody knows about it within within weeks. <laughs> and that isn't true. No. <laughs> Nobody knows about your product. 
not a single person apart from the people you know (laughs) I think you've got to be prepared for that you've got to be be quite resilient in realizing that things are going to take their time I think something else I've learned is that not everybody is going to want your product either (laughs) so Mm. I think the first time somebody decided not to stock us the silly person (laughs) (laughs) Um, because most a lot of the things I'm doing is I'm contacting people quite regularly to see if they'd like to have a sample of Rockfall and a lot of time people don't reply and I think to start with Mm. I was thinking why aren't they replying to me that's really weird (laughs) they they Mm. why don't they want a sample of Rockfall (laughs) it's learning to not take these things personally I am a person and Rockfall is my product. We are not the same. Yeah. You've got to you've got right, to take yeah. on board that that rejection, if you want to use that word, is not not aimed at you. It's just not the right thing for that person at the right time. I guess I've learned how to deal with that a bit better. At the beginning I was just outraged <laughs> that, that people weren't interested. And I've also learned that it's really important to value our customers. And if people comment on things on social media, it's really important to reply to those things because we all like to feel valued, don't we? And I do value people being interested in Rockfall and I want to show them that. So I make sure that I always take the time to reply to things. An example of something going wrong, I managed to not post something to somebody on time. It was an error. I completely copped it up. It was all my fault. You know, I was looking at couriers to try and get it sent there. (laughs) I was trying to do everything to sort this out because I I had copped up and I fessed up as well. And I think that's really important as well to to admit when you've done something wrong and make amends for it in the best way that you can. So Claire, as we wrap up this conversation, and I feel like you're going to need to be a podcast guest again with us in the future. But if you think about women who might be listening to this podcast, who... Maybe they're juggling childcare at the moment or other priorities, care responsibilities. What advice would you give to someone who is listening to everything you've said and is thinking, I've got this idea, could I or should I take the next step with it? Oh, gosh, absolutely. I would describe what's happened to me as coming alive as a person since starting Rockfall makes me feel quite emotional, actually, about how how much of a difference it's made to my life. Um, Mm. I would absolutely tell everybody that if you have an idea, when the time is right for you as well, as discussed, to just do it, go for it, absolutely go for it. Coming from being a stay-at-home mum to being an entrepreneur is the best thing I could have done. And it fits around my life better than any job I could have gone and got. I can't imagine how it would have worked. I'm here, there, at the school. I've got a dog now for some reason. You know, I'm just, I'm, 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 you know, I'm split so many ways. It's crazy. It just works for me, definitely. It works for me and my family. And that's as important as, you know, as anything else that mm. need to fit in with, with my family. And, and it totally does. But I would absolutely tell women to go out there and grab the opportunity, even if it's just a little fledgling, a little seed of an idea, then just explore that, do it. 
Claire was so great to talk to and we'd echo her advice to go out there and take all of the opportunities you can. For more information, just visit rockfallrum.com or visit their social at rockfallrum.com.